So for every win that the good guys get, the criminals are still working and they're still out there. So you can't let it go lax. You can't rest on your laurels, if that makes sense. And just hope that these one-off, two-off emails are going to change the, the picture for you. It won't. It's a constant process. Security is a living, breathing thing that you can't ignore. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hello, all my retail friends, and an official congratulations to you all. We are officially in the heart of the holiday season. I know I'm sure a lot of you have been heads down for a while, starting to roll out your holiday sales and marketing campaigns, but this is it. This is the heart of the season, and I wish you all the very best during these coming weeks. Because we're going to start to see holiday sales, especially online ones, start to pick up through the new year, I thought it would be appropriate to get an expert on the line to talk all things e-commerce security. So I had Steve Reagan, the lead security researcher at Akamai, join me. The company just released its state of the internet report for retail and hospitality, and there were some pretty staggering findings around the impact on retail organizations and in-turn consumers. So I am by no means a security expert, so I was thrilled to have Steve on the show to talk through the findings, some of the key threats right now, and possibly some new things that some brand executives on the line may not fully know or have a strategy to build around. So if anything, I hope this conversation raises a few key points and considerations for you as you get into the new year. Steve, thank you so much for chatting with me today and being on the show. Great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mainly because I'm going to say it up front, I am not a uh, security expert. I love talking about retail tech and all of the great things going on in retail experience, but the nuts and bolts of security and all the implications, definitely not an expert, a bit intimidated by it. So really glad that you're on and are going to break down some of the big topics for us. But before we do that, let's get into the high level about your role, your day-to-day at Akamai. So your role is lead security researcher, which sounds very official and a bit intimidating, but what does that look like day-to-day for you? It looks like a lot of reading to kind of break down an average day for me when I'm like researching reports like the retail report you've read. I start off by just browsing forums and looking at criminal marketplaces, seeing what they're talking about, what they're doing. I check with some colleagues and other researchers at various companies to see if there's overlap with what I'm seeing. And then I collect all of that information. I start making notes. So this goes back to my journalist days where I would develop a story. And part of that is note-taking, lots and lots of note-taking. So while the title sounds really glamorous, it really means I do a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Yeah. And I know before we started recording, you noted that you had a bit of a history in journalism as well. So would you say that that history and those skill sets very much apply to what you do every day, just kind of tracking what's happening in the security landscape? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I did 15 years covering the security industry as a journalist. 
And prior to that, I actually worked in the industry. So I've kind of come full circle, started in the industry, then I covered the industry. Now I'm back to working in the industry. It's, it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, those little quirks of being a journalist, like having a, a to sound cliche, a nose for news and, and knowing when something doesn't sound right. All of that has helped me in my job tremendously. Yeah. And I think it's important in this day and age too, right? Because I kind of mentioned earlier that a lot of my day-to-day is covering the new and innovative tech and applications that are driving the future of retail and, and customer experience. But there are pretty big implications. There are a lot of things happening under the hood, so to speak, that I think are just as important, right? Because Threats are getting more sophisticated. There are more ripple effects now, I feel like, because consumers are trying to get more in tune to security and and what the implications are for them. But before we zoom in too far into retail specifically, I'd love to kind of look at the high-level view around some of the key trends you're seeing right now in the security space, possibly across industries, because I, I know there are some new new findings from your research for retail specifically that we'll get into. But are there any overarching trends or alignment that's happening right now? Yeah, actually there are. So across all industries, one of the big trends is a thing we call account takeovers. And that's when a criminal looks at your rewards account, your loyalty account, your gaming account, your email, your streaming media accounts, and their goal is to take those over. And so how they go about doing that is a thing called credential stuffing. And what they do is they take a list of usernames and passwords and they try to log in just to see what sticks. And the accounts that allow them access, those are the ones that they either collect and trade or sell off. Now, where they get these usernames and passwords, they do that with phishing. That's when a criminal sends you a malicious message on a social media platform or malicious email and they pretend to be something else. And... Their goal there is to get personal information out of you and your username and passwords. Or they go through old data breaches that have been exposed to the public and they collect the usernames and passwords that were exposed there and they put them into big lists. And then they run those lists against every service online. And then from there, they filter them down by this list is only for streaming media. This list is for retail. This list is for gaming. This list is for finance. And that's where this process starts. And it's a complete ecosystem. Like there is an entire criminal economy built around this stuff. And it's been there for years. And what the criminals do is just like any other legitimate economy, they do innovation. They improve their tools. They improve their methodologies. They research ways to get around security. And they constantly, constantly recycle these lists to see if anything new comes out. So when the world was locked down earlier this year and the the quarantines were global at that point, the criminals were trapped at home too. And what they did was they dusted off a lot of their old lists and started recycling them just to see if there was anything new. And so when they were doing that, they found new accounts and services that were previously not working and they started collecting them and selling them off. And what they were doing is they were offering COVID lists. So these are lists that were literally just in the quarantine period. And they were doing fire sales. Like, hey, we've got a COVID special. Buy one, get two. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And it was an entire marketing program. 
That is fascinating. So they were kind of like the retailers in this case trying to sell these lists. So looking at this from a user perspective, then that kind of speaks to one, the need to diversify your password and two, the need to change it up like every few weeks. Is is that a fair assumption to make? But the problem, and this is is more of the educational piece to this, malicious actors don't focus on one password set over another. They go for the easily detectable and easily guessables. So let me give you an example. If your password can be found in any modern dictionary, no matter what the language, they can run that dictionary against a collection of password hashes, which is how they're stored in databases on the websites. And if your password is just that word and maybe a couple of numbers, it'll take them seconds to guess it. Humans as a whole, we try to do random, but we fail at it. And it's not our fault. Technology has advanced to the point to where what you and I see as random, a computer sees as an easily predictable pattern. And with just a few keystrokes or a couple of patterns, you can tell the computer, look at it like this and crack those passwords. So how we get past that and how we keep things changed up, like you were saying, is to use password managers. These are computers who do random for us. And a computer can do random way better than you and I can. And so that's why when you hear password advice, you always hear, use a random password that's really long. Wow, this is fascinating. And I know in the State of Internet report for retail and hospitality that you guys just released, one of the most jarring findings, I think, is related to credential stuffing attacks. Exactly. And so what they mean by that is you let the password manager set up like a 20 character password for you that's completely random. The only password you need to remember is the master password to unlock that password manager because it'll do everything else for you. It'll log you into your websites. And some of them even store the personal information for you so you don't have to type that in. It It becomes, you know, rather convenient to use. But on the security front, password managers stop a lot of long-term low-hanging problems that really has plagued the public over the last few years. And you talked about how when we were all in lockdown that the hackers were in lockdown too, and, and they were finding ways to fill their time, so to speak. Have there been any other trends or security realities that have accelerated as a result of COVID as well? Like anything new and pressing that retailers in particular would be interested in? The lures for like phishing scams and things like this all took on a COVID flare earlier this year. And it's still, as COVID stays in the news, this stuff keeps getting recycled. So do you remember earlier this year, when all of this started, you would get emails from hotels and restaurants and loyalty points, airlines, telling you that, look, we're all in this together. Your points won't expire don't worry about this. We're extending the expiration dates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of those emails were just circulating everywhere. It was a really big publicity thing. And it did a lot of good. It made them look good. And it assured a lot of people who were worried that they were going to lose their hard-earned points because they couldn't meet the demands of a given program. The thing is, the criminals got those emails too. And they were thinking, hey, we're everybody. So we're in this too. Hmm, how can we capitalize on that? And that's where you started seeing like the trends. So when I say lures, I mean, these are the things that criminals send to you on social media or your email that make you click, make you open it, that worry you to follow directions. One of our researchers, Orcats, he 
found a series of phishing that was total back targeting mobile users and social media users, promising government payouts related to COVID. Just click here and fill out your information. The criminals are just harvesting all of the information that's being given to them, and it's being collected, sold, and traded. And in some cases, these scams actually took your corporate usernames and passwords because when you went to log in, it was asking you for your email credentials and things like that of a corporate nature. So like Office 365 and things like this. That's what they were doing. They were using COVID as a means to lure people in because everybody was scared. Fear is a really big driver in phishing. And so when you combine that with curiosity or the promise of a payoff, they were hooking people left and right. And it was happening for months. And it's still happening to this day. Like the phishing problem has not gone away. Yeah. The psychology of crafting this type of attack is fascinating because you're getting into those inherent emotions or or the mindset, the context of the world in which we're living in, right? I mean, it takes a lot of thought and, and it's very precise. So looking at it through the lens of like the retail executives that are listening to this right now, I mean, are there any particular attacks or types of fraud that maybe retailers are more likely to fall victim to or their customers are more likely to fall victim to? Because, I mean, right now especially, we're seeing such an uptick in online shopping, online spending. So are are there any notable findings there that we need to call out other than the credential stuffing, which we've already talked about? So the credential stuffing will play more towards consumers than it would the retailers. The retailers need to look at their infrastructure and Focus on web attacks like DDoS, which will knock you offline. Amazing Black Friday sale you've got there. Too bad your site's down so nobody can buy from you. That's exactly how the criminals are going to play it. Look at what's called SQL injection. So that's S-Q-L-I. And what a SQL injection attack is, it's when the criminal targets your database to try and make it spill its secrets. So every website that takes a username and password or stores retail information or you know, customer order data, that's all in a database somewhere. And what the criminals do is they try to target that database by finding flaws in the website design itself. They're very good at it. And when that happens, when they're successful, all of the information in that database can be taken by the criminals. So that's usernames, passwords, credit card details. Like there are places that have been compromised through SQL injection that have lost tons, hundreds of thousands of records all because they restored and the criminal essentially just spill your secrets. There you go. And then when they get this stuff out of the database, like I said earlier, it's hashed, right? They have to run password cracking software against those hashes to try and guess it. But because humans are bad at random, suddenly figuring out that password 123 or fall 2020, those are easy passwords to guess and they really do exist in these databases. Well, that's fascinating. So going back to your point around how the credential stuffing attacks more so target consumers, I almost feel like it is still something that retailers need to know about and more importantly, have a plan to mitigate or try to address. I've actually been seeing more retailers send these proactive messages around updating passwords or changing passwords at random, right? Saying like, oh, we reset your password. Please go through the process again, like just to kind of keep things proactive, like to show that they're on top of things. Is this something that you think retailers are going to be paying more attention to, like trying to be a bit more proactive 
in the event of these threats becoming more frequent or, or more sophisticated over time? I would love your take on like, because at the end of the day, what affects consumers ultimately impacts retailers, right? So, I mean, I guess trying to dig into that connection a little bit more. No, and that's actually a very good connection to look at. So the thing is, there's a reputational impact. Once a consumer is compromised or has their account taken over, they really do on some levels blame the retailer or the company in charge of that account for not protecting them. Even though there's not much that company can do, there's still that impact. But on your point, there is a really big push on awareness training, which is what those emails are. When you see the emails from a a retailer or a vendor that says, hey, make sure you're not using a password recycled from another website, meaning don't make your password for email and the password for our particular app the same. You don't want to do that. That's called password recycling. You don't want to do that. And you'll see these awareness emails go out, and that's a really good thing. I would like to hope, I'm an optimist here, but I would like to hope that retailers keep this up and that They take more proactive stance. I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far, which is a good thing. Um, But also, it's, it's a constant cat and mouse game. So for every win that the good guys get, the criminals are still working. And they're still out there. So you can't let it go lax. You can't rest on your laurels, if that makes sense. And just hope that these one-off, two-off emails are going to change the the picture because it won't. It's a constant process. Security is a living, breathing thing that you can't ignore. And I think one of the pluses is that retailers are waking up to that. And that's why you're seeing all these emails go out with the awareness initiatives behind them. For consumers, particularly this holiday season, again, I go back to my use a password manager, get one. Make sure that the passwords you have are unique to every website. You should not use the same password on your bank, your email, and your Netflix. You shouldn't. Those should be separate passwords. You don't want to follow links in emails if you're not entirely sure where they came from. But also, you have to be aware that for most of the public, following random links that come in email is kind of how we do things. Like you get an offer in the the mail from a retailer you've expressed interest in before, you're going to follow a link. Somebody you know from online sends you a message and says, hey, check this out, you're going to follow a link. So when you do, just kind of trust your gut. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. If it feels a little fishy, it probably is. Just trust your gut on this situation. You can save yourself a lot of grief in the long run. Yeah, some great points there. So I do want to dig in a little bit more into the State of the Internet report that Akamai just released for retail and hospitality. I know you guys do all kinds of research and you're such a valuable resource around all things security, but obviously this is coming out during the most critical and busy time of the year for retailers. Are there any other key takeaways or findings from this iteration of the research that is especially important to call out? I mean, of course, we'll link to in the show notes and everything. We want to make sure people have easy access to it. But um, what would you say are the core points that folks should take away from this discussion? Particularly in the retail front, you're a massive target. And what I mean by that is over two years, we looked at and observed 100 billion, it's billion, the B, 100 billion credential stuffing attacks. 90% of those targeted retail. That means you and your customers are very visible targets and the criminals know this. So when we talk about account takeovers and we talk about credential stuffing and the importance of password managers, and even just enabling your customers to have like really 
long and unique passwords itself on your apps. That's why we stress this so much. 90% of those attacks over two years targeted retail. And one of the things I noticed when doing my research was the fact that a lot of the apps that are being offered in the retail space, they don't have like multi-factor authentication, which is when you use like a your Google Authenticator or Duo or like a text message to your phone to verify it's you actually trying to log in. They don't offer that. Or they're limiting you to like five or six characters in your password or eight characters max. Things like that have to change long-term before this problem starts to get addressable at a really high level. I should say really granular. Because what the criminals are doing is they're taking advantage of the platforms that they can get away with it the most on, and that's where they're targeting. Another takeaway would be the fact that, keep in mind, you're dealing with a criminal economy that operates very much like yours, and they know how to play the game. So you'll see fake retail shops, you'll see uh, brand ripping where the criminals will actually just pretend to be a well-known and established brand realize that it's not just the accounts the criminals are targeting, it's the data in the accounts. That's another takeaway from the report. And what I mean by that is when a criminal targets a grocery chain's reward program, sure, the fuel points can be sold. That's one of the big perks of this particular program. But the information in that program, so the person's name, their address, their phone number, that can be collected and sold too. And what's even More interesting is that criminals do data brokering and data mining as well. So they correlate the information from one program with another and create a more full picture of an individual. And then once they have that docs, which is what it's called, together, they could sell that all on its own, which means you'll get a person's personal information, their financial information, all of their social media accounts, their email accounts, their banking, everything, all in one package, and that's compiled and sold. So we have data brokers, so do we, and they use them. What's another one? Let's see. There's a lot that went into this. <laughs> trying to find like the interesting stuff here, like the things I think that would perk your interest. Here you go. 28 bucks. 28 bucks. You know what 28 bucks will get you? What? A database with 17 million records in it Oof. for a travel and hotel website. Wow. 28 bucks. That's how cheap and easy it is for other criminals to get into this game. And when you look at the type of information that's in that database, That is 17 million usernames and passwords that they can point somewhere else and try them. And because we know humans are pattern-based, right, even though they think they're being random, if you've gotten these passwords from one travel website, the next logical target for these criminals are other travel and retail websites. See what I'm saying here? If they're likely on one, they're going to be on another, and that's where they start collecting their account takeovers. Which, again, goes back to your thing. That's why those awareness emails where you see them saying, don't share your passwords. Don't reuse your passwords. That's why it's so important because databases like this are sold every day and that's exactly what they do with them. There's some good stuff here. I do want to go back to your one point around fake brands and like the fact that these criminals are ripping brands. So like they're trying to reuse some of the identifying components of like an established brand for an attack, basically. I guess this kind of ties to a question I initially had planned around really how the ongoing shift to digital, right? Like we're seeing e-commerce reach a completely new level of adoption and everyday usage as a result of the pandemic. Are we going to be seeing a lot of movement in this particular area? I mean, obviously, probably cybercrime in general, just because that's 
you go where the money is, right? But this notion of, like, fake brands, ripping brands, especially because, like, Instagram, for example, like, anyone can be a brand. Yes. And that actually not only proves your point, anyone can be a brand, but that's what makes it so scary. Anyone can be a brand, meaning criminals can be a brand, and they can be your brand. And you won't even know about it unless you're out there looking for it or you're training your customers to spot this. So here's how this works. Imagine I send you an email that says, hey, I am a well-known rep for company X, and I know on your podcast you've covered these products before. We've got something new coming out this holiday season, and I'd really, really like to talk to you about it. Can you let me know if you're interested? And if so, just click here and fill out the, the information. And what I'm going to do is I'll send you the product. You can play with it a couple of weeks ahead of time. You can have whatever you want. Now, in your line of work, this is actually a pretty common thing. Everybody wants you to talk about their products. Everybody wants you to demo something or to hype something, and they want a chance to get on your show to talk about it, right? So the criminal knows this, and they target you directly by pretending to be Brand X, a brand that you know, except the website you went to, the email it came from, even the domain you visited. It looked real, but it wasn't. It's all fake. And they just took your information, and now they have additional information to target you with. But more importantly, they have personal information you probably wouldn't have shared with anyone else. Mailing address, work addresses, additional contacts, things like this. All of that stuff builds up, and criminals keep track of it. Now they launch bigger attacks. Now, instead of saying, hey, we got your email and we know you're interested, we need you to create a portal and go ahead and log in. Just create a username and password and we'll track your review stuff on this portal. They'll set that website up and they will create it using all of the branding that you're familiar with. They just steal the images. They take the color schemes and the contrast, even the wording, specific wording will be copied. And they'll set it all up. And guess what they've gotten? They've gotten an email and an address, right? an email, a personal address, your name, and your password. Now, do you share passwords? Do you recycle them? A lot of people do. There's no shame in it. The problem is that most of us choose passwords that are throwaways, and we use them on websites we don't really care about. But even that is a pattern, and that is something that they use against us when criminals are going out to do account takeovers. And they can bridge off of that throwaway password. So for example, one of my old habits that I had to break, and this is years ago, I've been using password managers for a long time. One of the things I had to do was stop using throwaway passwords because I would bridge throwaway passwords. I would be like planet910 underscore whatever website name. Planet910 underscore, that's the pattern. Add the website name to the end of it. All they had to do was crack one or two of those passwords, and then they would get the rest of them. And I know they've done this, and I know that they've done that password cracking because I still get emails and phishing attacks to accounts I have intentionally set up for these types of schemes, and they're targeting me. So I know that they're doing this. And that's what I mean when they say, you know, use a password because they really do work on trying to guess passwords and figure out your individual pattern, and they're really good at it. Steve, this is so freaky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like, I have to like rechange all of my passwords again, just in case. Well, especially now, right? Because we're kind of getting into the heart of the holiday season. I feel like everyone's trying to check off their list. Maybe that means going to a new e-commerce site that they haven't shopped at before. And they do the whole like, oh, would you like to set up an account? It's like, oh, okay, fine. And they don't think much about it, right? Like from a consumer perspective. So you're just trying to redo that password because it's the easiest thing for you. 
It is. In that situation you just outlined, perfect time to start using a password manager. You're going to shop in a new place, use your password manager, make that the first account the password manager helps you set up. And then when you go back to revisit the other places you're familiar with, use the password manager to change your password. And here's the kicker. Once you're using a password manager to manage all your accounts, once you've enabled multi-factor authentication on the places that allow it, then you don't have to worry about changing your password every few months. Maybe you can do it once a year. Or maybe you do it when you know there might be a problem. When you get an email that says, hey, we've detected some unusual activity. We don't think you're compromised, but change your password. It's not going to hurt you. When you see in the news that XYZ companies had a data breach and you do business with a similar company, know and recognize that criminals do target similar companies within a vertical. Go ahead and change your password. But until then, you've got a manager that's set up something that's 22 characters long, which, by the way, if a criminal is running a password attack against a password that's 22 characters long and completely random, it'll take them, I don't know, a few thousand years to crack that versus an eight-character password that's easily found in a dictionary they can get in seconds. It's a huge difference the longer and more random a password is. Start now. When you're out doing your holiday shopping this season, start now. Use a password manager. There are plenty out there, and they're all great. That's another thing. I get asked a lot, what password manager should I, should I use? Whichever one you like. They're all great. I can't yes. say enough about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So we covered it from the consumer perspective, which obviously, I mean, we're all people at the end of the day. Even the most seasoned retail executive, I'm sure, has used the same password for different sites. But, I mean, from the business perspective, right, again, we're getting into the busiest time of year, Retailers are being more closely analyzed, scrutinized even around their e-commerce sites, the performance, the speed, the security. What can be done at this point? This is going to be going live right before the Thanksgiving holiday. I know it's like a very short window of time, but is there anything that they can be thinking about now, you know, make proactive measures that can make a difference this holiday season, no matter how small? So... The harsh negative answer to that is nothing. But here are some things they can do now. You're already in your holiday season. So first of all, congratulations and good luck. You're here. It's going to happen. You're going to get a lot of people coming to your website. The first thing you want to do is look at your IT playbook and talk to all of your vendors. Make sure they're on par with what your goals are this season and what your needs are and make sure they're there to help you. So you want to talk to your security vendors and your managed security partners and make sure that they're monitoring for DDoS attacks, that they're on board with what's essential to you. Make sure you know what assets are critical and what assets are important, but really not as critical as some of the other things and prioritize. And then make sure your security partners are on board with you so that they know this needs to stay online or this needs to be defended. Talk with them. You have these partnerships with your vendors for a reason. Use them. And with that, make sure that, you know, if you're doing web application firewalls and things like this, watch for SQL injection, watch for command injection, watch for cross-site scripting. I'm using jargon here, but for the retailers listening to this that have their security teams in place, and this is the kind of information they're looking for, they know exactly what I just told them, and they know how scary it is to think of how a cross-site injection attack can lead to command injection on one of their servers. That's bad, very bad. And it happens. Injection attacks are why MageCard exists. That was a group of criminals that are still active to this day. And what they do is they inject code onto a website. 
that copies credit card transaction information live. So you get no indication that you've been compromised. And as you're entering in your information and checking out, Magecart will copy your information. And then later, the criminals have all of your data, everything. Anything you entered on that form, Magecart can get. This is why it's very important to work with your security vendors to talk about web application firewalls and injection attacks and things like that to get that stuff blocked. Long-term, what they can do, and this is after the holiday season, look at your infrastructure and think of how you can work with your customers or the consumers on security. So enable multi-factor authentication. And when I say that, try to avoid using SMS But if that's all you can offer right now, then fine, offer it. But really, you want to use something like Google Authenticator or some sort of authentication app rather than a text message to a phone. But either way, enable. Let your customers use multi-factor authentication. Get rid of the restrictions on characters and upper limits for passwords. No more five-character, eight-character, 12-character passwords, and you can only use these special characters. You want to let them use anything and go as long as they want. That's an engineering thing. Protect your APIs and your API endpoints. These are the scripts that run on the back end that when a consumer goes to log in, they get all of their information up front and it knows like what they've been shopping for or what they might be interested in. All of this stuff on the back end comes from an API. But criminals target those APIs, particularly the account-based ones, so that they can really try and log in multiple times rather than just using the form. They, they do uh, bots to just automate the login process, guard the APIs. Long-term, these are things retailers can do to actually improve their security posture and help the consumers at the same time. Got to see if this has been fantastic, really helpful stuff, I think, from the short-term and long-term. And it was interesting to hear some of these new trends, I mean, mainly for me. I mean, the fake brands, brand ripping, I mean, these are all trends that we're going to keep a closer eye on. To kind of close up our conversation, put a bow on it, so to speak, I mean, you talked a bit about the long-term view of, of how retailers can improve their security strategy, better collaborate with their vendor partners. As we look at the future of the commerce experience and the reality that there are so many companies, apps, tools designed to make this more seamless, personalized even for consumers, I'm thinking just off the top of my head, like these new payment services that are designed to make one-click buying so easy. Are there any other long-term security implications of these things that look great on paper from an experience perspective, but may have deep-rooted security issues or or challenges that may emerge? I mean, this may be a hairy question to answer firmly, but I don't know. I can't help but think about like all these different things that look great from a customer's perspective, but may have holes or flaws that maybe retailers need to be thinking about. So the good news is, We'll stick with the one-click payments, like your Apple Pays and things like that that are on your phone. That stuff is encrypted end-to-end, which means if a criminal is standing between you and that server, they don't get anything. That's the good part. That's amazing. The problem is we don't know what happens if a criminal was to take over your phone or take over your laptop where these one-click payments exist. So when they take over the physical device, at that point, it's no longer your device, it's the criminal's device, and we don't know what happens with that. Now, for a lot of the well-established commercial one-click payment options, all of that stuff's encrypted anyway, so even if the criminal has your device, they still get nothing. And that's a good thing. 
But as new apps and services are coming out, I would encourage retailers to remember security is not something you bolt on. Security is something you start with. And when you do it that way, when you're developing your new apps and everything that way, security first or right at the beginning rather than coming in later, you save yourself a lot of headaches in the long run and you avoid a lot of security pitfalls that plagued apps in the past. That's great, Steve. Super helpful. Thank you again so much for taking the time out to speak with me today. Where can folks go to get more information? I mean, obviously, you guys are always sharing such great research. Is there going to be a steady stream of content going through the holidays and into the new year? We are putting out information all throughout the year. So what we do is we try to target certain areas and we keep track of the data. But you can always find all the latest reports and everything. If you go to akamai.com slash SOTI, S-O-T-I. All of our reports will be updated there. Beautiful, Steve. Thank you again so much for taking the time out. It was a real pleasure. Fascinating, a little scary, but definitely learned a lot. Thank you again. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And as always, to everyone out there listening, thank you for joining us for this, again, fascinating conversation around all things security. I hope it inspired you to not just start having these tough conversations internally around your security plans, but also maybe encourage you to update your own passwords a little bit. As always, if you have any follow-up questions for Steve, our guest today, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter at our touch points. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the pod. We have episodes weekly having fantastic in-depth conversations just like this. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.